Amen. Thank you so much, brother. Great job, as always. I certainly appreciate how the Lord uses you, and you are allowing Him to use you too. Lead us into the presence of God through praise and worship. Man, you do such a good job. We're so thankful for you. I love that song because it talks about, you know, the Lord wants us to be His friend. And I think sometimes, even though we may know that, we take it for granted. You know, I can fully understand why I would want to know God, why I would want to be friend, uh, friendly with Him. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the God who is omniscient, the God who is omnipotent, the God uh, who is omnipresent. He is the God of the Bible that spoke and stars came into existence. So I can see full well why I would want to know Him, why I would want to be, uh, have a friendship with Him, what I cannot understand. What I cannot get over is why he would want to be a friend to me, is why he would want to know me and be a part of my life. Uh, I am nothing in the grand scheme of things, but I'm thankful that by the grace of God, we can know him as our friend. What a blessing that truly is. Thank you, brother, for that song. Take your Bibles. Turn with me tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter number 4 is what we're going to be looking at again. And if you remember last week, I preached to you a message on the measure of a minister from the first five verses. And um, Paul, in these first five verses, is really giving reasoned arguments, a defense for why he is a faithful minister of the gospel, a faithful servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a reason for that. Believe it or not, in the church at Corinth, in Paul's absence, um, there was a small group of people that had come against him. And they were doing everything they could to cause all the rest of the church to come against him. And so they were saying all kinds of untrue, mean, nasty things about the Apostle Paul. And so what he does in these first five verses is give them a reason uh, for why he is a faithful minister of the gospel. And he not only does that in the first five verses, but pretty much throughout the rest of 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. And so what I want you to do this week, whenever you're in your quiet time, um, uh, take some time and read the rest of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, starting with verse 1. And you're going to see how Paul again and again makes defense for him being a faithful minister of the gospel, a faithful servant of the Lord Jesus. And he does it in some very interesting ways. He uses a lot of humor. He uses some uh, tongue-in-cheek. He uses even... Uh, I would dare say sarcasm to really tell them what he's been through and, and why he's been through it. And even though he's been through all these hardships, he still remained faithful to the preaching of the gospel. He still remained faithful to Christ and ultimately gave his life for the Lord Jesus. I'm amazed at the arrogance of these people who would come against this godly man, the Apostle Paul. The man who's went all over the world preaching the gospel, starting churches everywhere, wrote 13 books we know of, of the New Testament scriptures, and they came against him in a very, very harsh way. Even though he was their spiritual father, and he talks to them about that even in 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. You know, he's the one who founded the church at Corinth and spent quite a while there discipling them and what it means to be followers of Christ. And then the moment he leaves, there's a small group that comes against him. So he makes that defense of himself, and he tells us what, the measure of a ministry is. How to look at the ministry of a man of God, of a preacher, of a pastor, and see whether or not it measures up to the standard of the Word of God. Now, I, now I preached that to you last week because, first and foremost, we're preaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. But it's also good for you to know that. 
as a Bible-believing, Christ-following member of a local church, you need to know how to judge rightly according to what a minister, a pastor, a preacher, your minister, your pastor, your preacher is doing. But you need to know what God's Word says about that. You know, that's important that you do that. And so you'll find all of that right there in 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. Now tonight, um, Paul made the defense for being a faithful minister. And that's really the, the key theme of the fourth chapter, faithfulness. You know, that's what he's talking about. The faithfulness he has unto the Lord and unto the work um, of the preaching of the gospel. And so um, tonight I want to stick with that theme. I want to stay with the theme of faithfulness. But I kind of want to switch gears a little bit. I don't want to really direct it toward ministers this time. We're not trying to measure a minister. Uh, we're going to move on from that. What I really want to do tonight is talk about what faithfulness should look like in every believer, in all the body of Christ. Because how many know it's not just the pastor, the preacher, the minister that's called to be faithful. But all of us are called to be faithful. Each and every one of us. Look at verse number 2. I believe 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 2 is actually the key verse for this chapter. Look how Paul puts it here. He said, Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. It's required of those that follow Christ to be found faithful. So we're going to look tonight at what that really means. Before we do, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you, and we're so thankful for the truth of your word. I'm thankful for each and every person that's here tonight, for those who are listening online. God, I'm praying that you would speak to hearts and change lives and do the work, Holy Spirit, that only you can do. Thank you for allowing me the great privilege of standing before an open Bible and sharing your truth. And I'm asking you right now that you would have your way and your will in these services. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and for your sake. Amen. Now, what is faithfulness? To describe faithfulness, I want to give you just a, a few synonyms that might help you understand what truly being faithful is all about. How about integrity? Does that help you a little bit? How about loyalty? Does that help you? How about um, dependability? All of those things describe what it means to be faithful. Now, I want to tell you, if there's one thing that's lacking in our world today, it's loyalty, dependability, faithfulness. If there's one thing that's lacking, not just in the world, but certainly in the church, it's loyalty, dependability, integrity. You say, Brother, how do you know that? Why do you say that? Well, I look at the empty pews tonight. There ought to be some faithfulness in the body of Christ. Faithfulness to the worship of the Lord. Faithfulness to the work of the Lord. Loyalty to your brothers and sisters in Jesus. That's very, very important. And that's what faithfulness is all about. One great preacher said, faithfulness is doing your duty until your duty is done. <laughs> the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians says that we are not to become weary in well-doing. And it's very easy sometimes to get weary in the work of the Lord. Can you say amen? It happens to us all. I, I, I was, um, heard a story one time about a man who woke up on Sunday morning and he said, told his wife, he said, honey, I'm just not going to church today. And she said, you got to go to church today. And he said, no, I don't. I, I just, I, nobody likes me down at that church. Nobody listens to me down at that church. I'm just not going to church today. She said, no, honey, you got to go to church. He said, I ain't got to do nothing. I'm telling you, woman, I'm not going to church today. She said, baby, you've got to go to church. You're the pastor. All of us from time to time 
get weary in the work of the Lord. Now, we don't get weary of the work. I'm thankful that God has given me the opportunity and the great privilege of being a part of what he does. Can you say amen? And listen, he's given you that same privilege and opportunity to be a part of what he's doing. I don't get tired of being used to the Lord. That's an amazing thing. That's a blessed thing. Praise Jesus that I get to be a part of his work in the earth. I don't get tired of the work, but we all get tired in the work. And Paul encourages us to not get weary in well-doing, but to remain faithful, to remain dependable, to remain loyal to the cause of Christ. Faithfulness is doing your duty until the duty is done. I ain't done yet. And you're not done yet. You say, brother, how do you know we're not done? Everybody do this. If you can still do that as a believer, as a Christ follower, you're not done. If God was finished with you, you'd already be in heaven. But because you can still take a breath in your lungs, God's got purpose for you today and tomorrow and as long as he puts breath in you. So we do the work. We do our duty to the duties done. Look, look with me in Psalm 31 in verse number 23. Brother, if you will, please put that on the screen for me. Psalm 31, verse number 23. Watch what this says. Oh, love the Lord, all you his saints. I love that, how he starts it. Let me tell you what will determine your faithfulness, what you love, who you love. Oh, love the Lord, all you his saints, for the Lord preserves the faithful. Isn't that good? Do you know God will bring preservation to your life, to your family, to your ministry, to your work? God will preserve the faithful. I love that verse. And he fully repraised the, the, the proud person. So we don't want to be proud. We want to be humble and faithful. Listen to me. And when we do so, the Bible promises God's preservation in our lives. And I don't know about you, but that excites me. Praise the Lord. Listen, faithfulness does not go unrewarded. God preserves the faithful. That's a promise that we can and we should hold to. We should claim as believers. So if faithfulness is being dependable, living with integrity, being loyal to the cause of Christ, if faithfulness is all of those things, then what does that look like in our life? How do we live that out? How do we put it in shoe leather day by day? Well, there's just four or five things that I want to share with you tonight about what it means to be faithful as a child of God. First of all, we are called to be faithful to our family. Faithful to our family. How many of you understand God created the family? Do you know that the first institution God created even before the church was the family? And that's very important that we remember that, all right? Very important we remember that. Really, all in the world a church is, is just a collection of families. Now, how many of you want a godly, faithful church? I do too. I do too. Let me tell you why. Because with a godly, Christ-honoring, faithful church, you can get something done. You can reach the lost. Hey, you can go about the mission. 
which is the Great Commission, with a godly, faithful church, sky's the limit for what God can do and will do in your midst. You can experience the presence and the power of God with a godly, faithful church. I don't know about you, but I want a godly, faithful church. Let me tell you how we get it. We get a godly, faithful church by having godly, faithful families. How do we produce godly, faithful families? Each individual member of the family must be faithful to it. Amen. You really do. Let me share with you what that looks like. Let's break it on down. What does that mean that I'm to be faithful to my family? First and foremost, I'm going to start at the marriage altar because that's the foundation of the family. If you want a godly family, you've got to have a godly marriage. If you want a faithful family, you've got to have a faithful marriage. Does that make sense to you? Faithful to your spouse, your husband, or your wife, whatever the case may be. Now, let me tell you what happened to me a little over 20 years ago. 20 years ago, over 20 years ago, I was standing at the front of a church, kind of like this one, with the pastor, and I saw the most beautiful woman I've ever saw in my life walking down that aisle. I'm telling you something, folks. I was tickled pink. That woman was all I needed and wanted. She's not just beautiful on the outside. She's beautiful on the inside. And because she loves Jesus with all her heart, she knows how to love me. And I knew just what the Bible says, that a man who finds a wife finds a good thing. And I knew my good thing was walking right down to me. And I was tickled to death, I'm telling you. It's amazing to me. I don't understand, quite understand weddings even yet because there's a lot of crying at weddings. I don't really get that. Let me tell you why. I'm standing at the front of that church with the pastor and I'm just tickled to death, smiling, grinning like a mule eating sawbriars. Tickled. Seeing that woman walking to become my wife. I begin looking around the sanctuary and it seems like I'm the only one happy about this. I look at her mama who's just walked down and she's crying. I look at her sister who's a bridesmaid to my right. She's crying. I look at her little brother that was the ring bearer walking down the aisle. He's crying. I look at her grandma and her grandpa on both sides. They all crying. I look at her daddy leading her down the aisle walking with her and I didn't think that brother was going to make it. Now, I'm just picking it, Brother Steve, because now that I've become a father, I understand full well what was going on with him. I really do. But then I didn't, and I'm thinking, am I the only one that's really happy about this? Because here I am tickled to death, and everybody else is just a blubbering mess. They all crying. But I was tickled to be able to make the commitment to that woman. And when she got up there, that's exactly what I did. I made a commitment to be faithful to her and to her alone. And I did it before the pastor. And I did it before the people of God. And most importantly, I did it before the Lord. I made a triune covenant with that woman. 
that I was going to be faithful to her. And I made that promise to her. But it wasn't just to her. It was to the Lord. And she made that promise to me. But it wasn't just to me. It was to the Lord. And we came together and said, you know what? She's going to be mine from now on and nobody else's. And I'm going to be hers from now on and nobody else's. And we made that commitment. And I'm thankful to say, for over 20 years now, we've been faithful. Thank you, Jesus. I'm I'm thankful for that. She's been faithful to me. I've been faithful to her. I'm not saying that it's always been easy. I'm not saying that we've got a perfect marriage. You know, there are none of those. Don't think just because you struggle in your marriage that you're the only one. No, we all struggle. Me and her still have some spirited... uh, discussions from time to time. I'm not going to call them more. We do have some spirited discussions. We do have to work. If you're going to make a marriage work, you've got to work at it. And it takes work. And we do work at it. So I'm not saying it's perfect, but I'm saying it's fantastic. It's great. I couldn't imagine it any other way. But it all starts with faithfulness. I'm hers and she's mine. And we've made that clear that that's the way it's going to be. Amen? Now, listen to me. Be faithful to your spouse. Be faithful physically to your spouse. The greatest act of unfaithfulness is adultery. The number one cause of divorce right now in this nation is is unfaithfulness, adultery. So I encourage you, whether you be here tonight or you're listening to me online, don't believe the lie of the enemy. The grass is not greener on the other side. If you want greener grass, water your Worrying about everything else, everybody else, that's not yours. You're committed to the person you made the commitment to. Amen? So be faithful physically, but let me say something else. Be faithful emotionally. Because you can cheat both ways. You say, Russell, what are you talking about faithful emotionally? Let me tell you what happens for men a lot of times. And I know this because I've been there myself. I'm an all or nothing type guy. And I can get really excited about certain things in my life, you know. And if I'm not careful, not necessarily that they're they're bad things. You know, I, I love to lift. That's one thing that I enjoy doing. I love to, uh, um, I love martial arts. That's something I, I really enjoy. Um, I, I used to really love hunting and fishing. I think I kind of burned myself out a little bit on that. I, I went so much. But I, I'm just saying, I love those things. And those are not necessarily bad things. Those are good things. Nothing wrong with enjoying the great outdoors and enjoying hobbies, spending time with friends. That's good things. But if you're not careful, you will mess around and trade the good things for the best things. And when you do that, it will hurt your marriage. And, and really, your wife will feel cheated emotionally because you've got time for everybody else except her. I've been there. I've seen how that happens. And you've got to guard against that. I've got to guard against that. So be faithful to your spouse. Well, let me tell you something else. Be faithful to your children. I read something this week in preparation for this message that absolutely blew me away. 
the number one cause of problems between parents and children, according to psychologists, is resentment from the children. And resentment from the children comes because of unkept promises. I started thinking about that a little bit. How many times have I told my kids we was going to do something and I didn't follow through? And as I was thinking about that, man, the Holy Spirit of God truly convicted my heart that I've been unfaithful as a father a whole lot. I got a little girl who absolutely loves going camping. I mean, she would live in the woods if you'd let her. Loves it. And she's always asking me, Daddy, let's go camping. When are we going to go camping? And I keep telling her, we're going to go in a week or two. Well, guess what? When a kid hears that, you know what they're doing? Packing their bags. They're getting their stuff ready. you got to be very careful what you say to them because they're very literal. Once you say it and it comes from daddy's mouth or mama's mouth, then guess what? They're getting ready. Dad, can we go to the beach? We'll try to go to the beach. Guess what they do? They go put on their swimsuit. I mean, they're ready. You got to be careful what you say. You really do. And so this week, I sat them down, and all three of my kids, and I said, guys, I want to ask you something. Has there ever been a time in your life where I've told you I'd do something and I didn't? And I got some answers I didn't like. And guess what? I can make all the excuses in the world. I can say, well, you know, I'm busy, man. I got things going on. I got work. I got church. I got this. I got that. I mean, I got stuff I got to do. I, I can say that, but the truth is I wasn't dependable. I wasn't faithful. You ever been there? It broke my heart, man, because tomorrow night I'm going to go and watch my oldest daughter graduate. And guess what? She's already moving out. Matter of fact, she's moving out tomorrow. Graduating tomorrow. It's going to be hard for me to get her to go camping anymore. It's going to be hard for me to get her to do things that that little one is wanting to do now. And I wonder how many times did I miss my opportunity? We've got to be faithful to our kids, to our grandkids. Let our yes be yes and our no be no. It's, man, it's very important. Faithful to our families. But now let me say something else to you. We need to also be faithful when it comes to our finances. And this is very important. Turn with me to Luke chapter number 16. I want to read for you something there. Luke 16, starting in verse number 10. Some of you will recognize this verse. Look what the Bible says, Jesus himself speaking in the 10th verse. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. That makes sense to you, doesn't it? I mean, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in big things. And he who is just in what is least will be, is, or excuse me, he who is unjust in what is least will also be unjust in much. So if you're not faithful in little things, you won't be faithful in big things. You know, there may be a reason that God hadn't blessed us financially, monetarily, 
like we really want to be blessed. Maybe we're not being faithful in little things. Does that make sense to you? Because God knows if you're not going to be faithful this little bit, why would I give you a bunch? Now, I'm going to read to you something here that absolutely blows me away. Look at verse number 11. Watch how Jesus, what Jesus says there. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon. Now, unrighteous mammon is just another word for money. All right? If you've not been faithful in matters of money, who will commit to you, to your trust, true riches? Now, how many of you understand this evening that true riches is not money? It's not. Mike Tyson was being interviewed just the other day. I was watching it. Mike Tyson has had more money than I will probably ever dream of. He was a multi-billionaire, a millionaire, many times over, maybe a billionaire, I don't know. He made a lot of money in the fight game years ago. Um, and he said something that, that really stuck with me. He said, if you think money makes you happy, and money's the answer, then you've never had a lot of money. He knows what it's like to be at the top of the mountain, financially, monetarily speaking. But he said, when I was there, that was not the answer. That didn't make me happy. Money is not true riches. So what are the true riches that he's talking about? I'll tell you what I believe it is. I think it's spiritual blessings. That's true riches. I'm talking about peace. Joy in the Lord. Purpose that God is working out, working through your life. I'm talking about those intimate experiences, just you and the Lord. You ever have those? Some of my favorite times ever is riding to work in the morning. Because I've got about, I don't know, 12 and a half, 13 minutes, if I'm not running a little late, to get from my house to work. That's usually what it takes me. 12 and a half, 13 minutes. I'm going to tell you something. I've had some amazing times just me and the Holy Spirit in that car on my way to work. Where he speaks to me, and I tell you, I have church going down the road. It's amazing. That's the spiritual blessing. Man, that, that cranks my track. That fires me up. That fills me up for the rest of the day. You know what I'm talking about? Spiritual blessings. He said, if you can't be faithful with unrighteous mammon, if you can't be faithful with money, which really don't matter, how can I trust you with true riches? Are you getting it? If you're not going to be faithful in the least, how can you be faithful in the much, is what he's saying. Now, this is what, this is what we think sometimes. I tell you what, if we can just be a better Christian, we can pray more, and we can read the Bible more, and we can come to church and be faithful in, in doing what God has led us to do there, and we can do all these things, then maybe, just maybe, God will bless me in my finances. That's not what he says. The point he's making is if I'm faithful in my finances... He'll bless me in spiritual things. Why? Because Jesus said, where a man's treasure is, that's where his heart is also. I had a pastor tell me years ago, he said, you tell a whole lot more about a man's bank book than you can about his devotion book. How you spend your money, how you save your money, how you give your money will tell much more about you spiritually than really anything else. Look at the next verse. Look at verse number 12. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, 
Who will give you what is your own? Verse 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and money. Money is a great tool, but a terrible God. Money is a useful tool that's needed for ministry, but a terrible God. Nothing wrong with having money. Not, not, nothing wrong with having money. Don't, don't misinterpret what's being said. Nothing wrong with having it, but there is a lot wrong when your money has you. It's not the most important thing. Be faithful with your finances. Be faithful in spending and giving and saving like God has commanded us to spend, give, and save. Jesus said, give, and it shall be given to you. Press down, shaken together, and running over. What a promise. Think about that. Give, it'll be given. Not just given in the measure you gave it, but press down, shaken together. I'm talking about getting all in the bag you can get, and then it's going to run over. That's the picture he's painting. That's what he's telling us. So be faithful in your finances. Be faithful with your family. Let me give you this one, and I really like this one. Be faithful in your friendships. Be faithful to your friends. Let me give you two verses, Proverbs 17, 17. Brother, if you will, please put that on the screen for me. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times. Y'all must have missed it, so I'm going to say it again. A friend loves at all times. Not sometimes, not sometimes. Don't be that fair weather friend. Don't do that. You know, you ever had friends like that when things are going great and it's hunky-dory and hallelujah? Man, they're all for you and they're with you, but when things ain't going so great, you don't know where they are, can't find them. You understand what I'm saying? When it's comfortable for them to be your friend, they'll be your friend. But when you fall on hard times, they're no longer around. When it's beneficial for them to be your friend, they're your friend. But when it can be shameful if they're your friend, ain't nowhere around. You understand what I'm saying? Listen, folks. A friend, a true friend, watch what he says, loves at all times. And a brother is born for Adversity. I like that. We all go through adversity. We need brothers and sisters in Jesus that helps us through, that picks us up, that encourages us, that is faithful to us, that is loyal to us, that is dependable. And that's what's good about being a part of the family of God. You hear me? When I tell you, when I say to you, this is our family, I say that first and foremost because that's what God says. But I say it because it's true. If you need me, call me. Right? And if I need you, I'm going to call you. And I'm going to be there for you and you're going to be there for me. Why? Because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're even deeper than friends. Friends, yes. We family. We kin. 
The blood of Christ has been applied to my heart and life, and the blood of Christ has been applied to your heart and life. That makes us blood kin. We're sons and daughters of the Most High God. Praise the Lord for that. So we are to love at all times as friends. Let's go to the next one. Go to Proverbs 18.24. Watch what this says. This is really good. I give this to my kids all the time. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. Isn't that good? I, I tell my youngins, look, if you want friends, you've got to be friendly. That makes sense to me. You know? Hey, if I want to be a part of people's lives, I need to act like it. If I'm going to be a good friend, I need to act like a good friend. It's one thing to want to do it. It's another thing to act like it. <laughs> am, I, am I making sense to you? It's one thing to think about it, but it's another thing to act upon it. You know, go the extra mile. Do something unexpected. I had a dear friend just a few weeks ago gave me a gift that I will try to probably, listen, probably wouldn't mean much to some, but it meant the world to me because they, guess what? They took time to do it. And I know how valuable and precious time is. Right? Go the extra mile. Be friendly if you want friends. Now he goes on and says, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Let me ask you something. Are you a faithful friend? Let's just say we did an experiment tonight. And I, I told you to, to go home and um, from the church write five friends that you know you can count on. And if I told you to do that, do you think you would receive any letters? Do you? Let me give you a definition of friendship that was found in the, uh, what's, that, what's that old, my grandma used to get them every week. The little bitty book with all the stories in it. Reader's Digest, Reader's Digest. The Reader's Digest asked for definition of friendships. These were some of the top ones. A friend is someone who strengthens you with, your, with their prayers, blesses you with their love, and encourages you with hope. I love that, that's good. That's, that's what a friend really is. I like that one. A friend is someone who multiplies your joys and divides your griefs. That's good. Isn't that good? That's a friend that loves at all times. Enjoy and grief. A real friend is someone who comes in when the whole world goes out. That's a good one. That's a good one. We need to be faithful to our family. We need to be faithful in our finances. We need to be faithful to friends. Let me give you another one. We need to be faithful to fellowship with one another. Now I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir tonight when I'm preaching to the Wednesday night crowd about being faithful to fellowshipping with one another. But I'm going to preach it anyway. Why? Because we need to hear it. Amen? It needs to be said. It needs to be said. Now listen to me. If there's one thing the COVID-19 pandemic has done it's given people an excuse to not be faithful to fellowshipping with one another and feel good about it. Now, I'm not trying to be harsh. Believe me, I'm not. I know that there are people who have been hurt by that disease. I know that people have died and lost loved ones. I get all that. I get that. 
I know that it can be dangerous. I get all that. What I don't get is how we can go everybody everywhere else and socialize and be at ball games, because I've seen them there, and be at Walmart, touching all the stuff, and they can be at um, concerts, because I see them posted on Facebook. And then you talk to them about coming to church. Well, brothers, I'm just scared to death of COVID. It don't look like it. It really don't look like it. That don't add up. That don't make sense. Are you hearing me? Now, that is not created the problem. It's just worsened the problem. There's always been a problem with fellowship, or, uh, being faithful to the fellowship one with another. Always. Now, don't get me wrong what I'm, fixing, what I'm trying to say here. Please don't misunderstand. I'm not trying to be a legalistic bear. I'm not. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said this. He said this in, um, let's see, Mark chapter 2 and verse number 27. You know what he said? He said that, uh, well, I'll just read it. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Now, we know that we, we worship the Lord on the Lord's day under the, under the new covenant, which is Sunday. They worship the Lord on, on the Sabbath day, which was Saturday under the old covenant. And so Jesus, under, at that time, being under the old covenant before he established the new covenant, he said, you know, Sabbath was uh, made for man and man wasn't made for the Sabbath. What Jesus is saying is, look, there's going to be times you may not be able to do what you need to do on Sabbath day. That's why he went on and said, if your ox is in a ditch, what do you do? Get it out. Use some common sense. Go get the ox out of the ditch. Right? But what he never said was pull your ox into the ditch so that you'll have an excuse not to come worship and not to come fellowship together. And what I fear happens so many times, we will find every excuse in the book to miss worship and go other places. People will Listen to me. Put off things on Saturday so that they can do them on Sunday and miss worship. Now listen to me, folks. That's not what Jesus meant in Mark 2, 27. That's not what he meant by if your ox is in a ditch, pull it out. One thing that I have really struggled with, I'll be honest with you, is keeping our Facebook life going. Because sometimes I think people believe, well, I'll just catch it on the, on, the, on the Facebook or I'll just catch it on the Internet. Well, that's okay, but that ministry was never for you to not be involved in your local church. I'm going to tell you something. God does something in settings like this that he does no other way. Let me tell you what happens for me when I join together in the worship of the Lord. Listen, every time we have a scheduled worship service, you'll do all you can do to attend. Let me tell you why. Number one, you get, you don't have to, you get to come worship Jesus. And when you worship Jesus, you are refreshed in the presence and power of God the Holy Spirit. When God's people is in God's place, 
operating in God's power, experiencing God's presence. That's an amazing thing. That's why I love Wednesday nights so much. You go out and, man, you get in the world and do all the stuff you got to do in the rat race that we all live in every day. Sometimes, folks, I don't know if I'm washing or hanging out. Y'all like that? I'm telling you, man, always something going on, always. It is such a relief to me to be able to just come and experience and rest in the presence of God. You say, brother, how do you rest in my preaching? I don't get it either, but I tell you, I feel rested and I leave here. I really do. Man, when you get in the presence of God, that's a powerful, don't miss out on that. Don't believe the lie of the enemy that you don't need it. You do need it. And God has commanded it. Hebrews 10.25 says, Don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. Here, listen, Romans chapter number 12 and verse number 5. Brother, put this on the screen for me. I love this one. We've already talked about it a little bit. He said that we are members one of another. You know what that means? I belong to you. You belong to me. We're in this together. Let's be together and be about the business of the Lord. It's important. Be faithful to the fellowship. Let me give you another one. Be faithful to the faith itself. You say, brother, what do you mean be faithful to the faith? I'm talking about stick with the stuff, brothers and sisters. There are so many people today that are so negative, condescending, and really um, belligerent toward what we believe as a people of God. And they think we're narrow-minded and they think that um, you know, we're dogmatic Folks, I'm not trying to be narrow-minded and dogmatic. But if the Word of God is narrow on a subject, if the Word of God is dogmatic on a subject, then praise Jesus, we're going to preach the Word of God. We're going to stand on what God's truth says. And if you have a problem with that, I'm so sorry. This probably ain't going to be the place for you. I don't say that arrogantly. I'm not trying to say that flippantly. I'm not trying in any way to offend. I'm just being honest. A pastor friend of mine was telling me last night they went on a mission trip somewhere in, in Illinois. And they walked into the church and a big sign above the, the sanctuary door said, we're going to do everything we can not to offend you in any way. I said, what did you read before you walked in the door? The pastor said, I had to go talk to the man in charge right then. Because evidently, you, you're not preaching the word of God there. Let me tell you how I know that. Folks, it's offensive to me and I'm preparing the message. If it's not offensive, if it's not changing us, if it's not challenging us, what good is it? If I can't challenge you by the truth of the word of God under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, what good am I? Then if we don't do that, then all we have is a country club, a social meeting place. We can do that down at Hardy's. It's got to be more than that here. We've got to be faithful to the faith. Listen to what Paul told Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter number 1, verses 13 and 14. Watch this. Although I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly 
in unbelief. Look at verse 14. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. God was abundant. God, listen to me, was exceedingly abundant to us. He's been everything we need. We must be faithful to his truth. We've got to be faithful to the faith. Now listen, why are we to be faithful? That's the question we really need to answer ourselves. I'm going to give you three of them quickly and I'm done. We need, to be, we need to be faithful to the things of God and faithful to the Lord because he's been faithful to forgive us. 1 John chapter number 1, verse number 9. You can look that up yourself. He's faithful to help us. Amen? That's number two. The Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 13 that in any time that we're tempted, he's always faithful to make a way of escape. I'm telling you something. God has never failed me in times of temptation or at any time in giving me the help I need. He's been faithful to me, to forgive me, to help me. Let me tell you something else. He's been faithful to keep me. The same grace that saved me keeps me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 through 24. God keeps us. Not because of our faithfulness, but because of his. It's not that I'm holding on to Jesus. Folks, if I'm holding on to Jesus, I would have slipped, I'd have slipped my grip a long time ago. Every day. I'm so thankful he's holding on to me. Now, if God is faithful to us, Shouldn't we be faithful to him? Anybody got anything, comments or questions?